0: You're listening to the voice of Dog, and today's story is the second and final part of Ghost Unlaid Forbear Thee by Tiberius Rings and Fruits, with special guest character Peter Grey from The Adventures of Peter Grey by Domus Vosis, also known as Nate Hop. Read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. Very little is necessary for the ritual we call Trick-or-Treat. A disguised identity, a confrontation with a stranger, an implied threat of mischief and an offering given to prevent it. Whether you have witnessed such a ritual's enactment or whether it is mere chance resemblance remains yours to decide upon conclusion of tonight's tale. Last time Simon and Peter heard about the mysterious Spring-Heeled Jack, thought they knew who he was. They decided to track him down for proof, only to find their suspect ready to confront them. Please enjoy Ghost Unlaid Forbear Thee by Tiberius Rings and Fruits Part 2 of 2 I was up on my feet and turning to run, along with Peter, but Fizz grabbed us by our suspenders and shirts to hold us back. When he turned us around we saw he'd put the churro completely in his mouth so he could use both hands. Stay was all he said. We damn well stayed. Why follow? he asked, plucking the churro out of his muzzle. I gulped, looked at Peter. I was about to open my mouth when Fizz cut me off. Been following for hours. I know. Well, you see, Sir, I gulped, looking out of the corner of my eye at Peter. We were standing ramrod straight, nervous, shaking, but I had to fake it. I took a deep breath and exhaled and pretended to be far more calm than I had any right to be. We know you're a master knife thrower. Fizz tilted his head to the side. We, we wanted to learn how. I nudged Peter with my foot. He nodded rapidly and grinned. Yeah, could you teach us, sir? We're really good students. Dangerous, Fizz said when he finished the churro and dusted his hands off on his pants. He looked between us. No throw at people, no throw at animals, no throw at anything but what Fizz tell you. Of course, I said with a smile, a nervous one. Good the black fox said and stretched his arms up dinner you both come. but first we get brother come and just like that we were either in the company of a very nice man or someone who would kill us before the sun rose you were doing what a white fox with purple eyes glared at the black fox with gold eyes We'd walked down to the patent office where Fizz's twin brother worked. The whole way we'd been anxious about it, what if this is where he planned to kill us? What if this is where he hid the bodies? Instead, we were in the back office on a darkening Halloween night. There were desks everywhere and so much paper, books and ledgers and drawings of things I couldn't explain if I'd tried. I had never been inside an office before, and when the white fox, whose name was Ruttiger, or Rut for short, saw us, he glared at his twin. What are you doing picking up street urchins? They follow me, Fizz said with a smile and wag of his tail. Hard to do. Also want to learn to throw knife. Fizz, Rut rubbed the bridge of his muzzle. You can't go around teaching young kids how to throw sharp knives at things. It's dangerous. We promised not to throw them at anyone, Peter said with a grin. He'd helped himself to some of the sweets he found on a bowl on the desk. A bit of chocolate was stuck on his fur near his upper lip. Rut looked at Peter, then me, and finally back at Peter. Don't touch anything in here. Just sit down while I finish up my work. Are they coming with us to dinner, Fizz? Uh-huh. Fizz nodded excitedly. Rut cooking so good. Ugh. The white fox groaned and dramatically let his head fall to the desk. He looked up when he saw both Peter and myself sitting in office chairs. These were the kind that could spin. So that was what we were doing. I could see my friend and the twins pass by as the chair went round and round and round. I was stopped suddenly by Rutt, who reached out and grabbed the back of the chair. I was on. He looked me over. Are you also looking for a mini version of yourself? You look so much like you, Fizz. Rutt then spun me round again, not too fast. It was a clear sign he'd lost the conversation. Handsome, Fizz said with a nod as he sat on the edge of a desk. Made my ears turn warmer, and Peter giggled at the idea. So what were you doing, my dear brother? Rutt asked. He picked up his pen and began to write something. Gambling. The pen snapped in half. What? The white fox was on his feet and in his brother's face, nose against nose, one hand around the buttons of his shirt and keeping him nice and close. How much did you spend? The words came out slowly, one by one, through his gritted teeth. Um. Fizz tapped his chin and snapped his fingers. Oh, everything for the week. Rhett's eyes looked as though they could pop out of the socket any minute. What? Why? Good hand. It's obviously not that good if you lost. And so they started arguing. Peter and I slipped out of our chairs and walked down the corridor of the marble floored office. It was odd. So much stuff in this building, but none of it seemed very useful. I mean, sure, I guess. Patents were important, but you couldn't really wear it or cook with it. Maybe it could keep you warm if you burn all these stuffs, of paper, but I doubt that was what these patents were used for. Peter was thumbing through a book on a desk and shook his head. This stuff is boring. Wish they'd hurry up and stop arguing. I peeked into a desk drawer and saw some pencils, but nothing else. No food. We could always go, you know, go get some candy. Peter turned to me with an expression of mock shock. What? You're crazy. They're making us dinner, Simon, a big home cooked meal. I can't pass that up. You shouldn't either. Yeah, of course I was wary. People generally weren't nice without wanting something in return. Or at least they had some kind of ulterior motive. I wanted to just slip away and get lost in the streets like usual. But I didn't want to go alone. Not with Spring-Heeled Jack outside. We were walking back over toward the twins when a knock came to the back door from which we had come in. Rut got up, smoothed out his vest before opening it up. Standing there was a tall, odd-looking cat. He had these funny little tufts on his ears, and fur colored like wheat. I knew this type of cat was called a caracal, though it was the first time I saw one in person. He was wearing a green suit and carrying a cane. Ah, Mr. Perry, the man said with a warm smile. I wasn't sure who was still here. I was closing up shop and saw the light on, so I wanted to check. Seems that I got mail that's addressed to your office by mistake. I wanted to drop by earlier, but it's been a very busy day today that I forgot until just now. An envelope was in his gloved hand, which he extended toward Rut. Rut smiled and nodded, taking the envelope. That's very kind of you, Mr. Crossbell. I was just finishing some work, and my brother and his friends are just waiting for me to finish up. The cat turned and looked at us, smiling, and I felt an instant chill of worry. Those were not kind eyes. His gaze drifted back to Rutt, burning the midnight oil. Your work ethic is a testament to your devotion to the job, Mr. Perry. I hope you have a splendid Halloween. Who this? Fizz asked, poking his head from behind Rutt. He is Mr. Mordecai Crossbell, his brother answered. He owns the newspaper called Crossbell Chronicles. His office building is right next door, so sometimes our mail gets mixed up. The caracal chuckled. On the upside, it's convenient when I have an invention to patent. All I need to do is walk a few steps, and drop off my documents, and- Sweet, Fizz shouted, cutting him off. I beg your pardon. The cat turned and looked at Fizz, who was now stepping closer. He sniffed the air and wagged his tail. Sweet. Sweets and treats bakery. The caracal frowned and let go of the doorknob. Peter gasped and grabbed my arm. I looked up at him, but he didn't take his eyes off the cat. He stared intently and held my arm so tightly it hurt. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Are you saying I smell like a bakery, the man asked. Sugar bread, yep. Fizz nodded excitedly. Churro's best in city. I think you may be mistaken, my friend. The caracal straightened up and fixed his tie. I generally avoid sweets as a rule. But smell like bakery down alley. Met friends there, he motioned to us and I understood that we were the friends he was referring to. I have business to attend to. Mr. Perry, I hope you and your friends have a wonderful Halloween. It was a pleasure to meet you all. The caracal stepped outside, and Peter started dragging me toward the door. Hey, I groaned and tried to wrench my arm away. I can walk, you know. It's him, Peter said quickly, his eyes wide as saucers. He's Jack. The fubbish cat piss off, he's harmless. He had that gold chain from his vest to his pocket. And Fizz says he smells like the bakery we were near. It's him, Simon, I know it is, I can prove it. While the twins were going back to arguing about gambling, Peter and I slipped outside just in time to see the green-suited caracal. He was walking toward the building with the sign Crossbell Chronicles, located at the end of the alley. Peter cupped his hands over his muzzle and shouted, Springheel Jack! The cat froze. He turned. He glared. That is a dangerous name, boy the caracal said and stepped closer to us. You shouldn't go about shouting it. Not at this hour or on a night like Halloween. It's just a name, Peter puffed out his chest. And you're him, you're Jack. The cat still stepped closer, ever so closer, lazily and calmly, and stopped when he was less than three feet between us. And you are the two boys who were following me in that alley. I owe you one for kicking me in the face. If you do anything to hurt us, Will, what? He cut us off. He purred and lifted the head of his walking stick up, putting it under Peter's chin, making him tilt his head up. Tell the police. You don't have any evidence. Peter gulped and trembled. I wanted to run, but when your friends were in danger, you didn't run. Sometimes you took the lick with them. So I did a really stupid thing, grabbed the cane in one hand, and glared. Make your life miserable, you demon, I growled. We can't turn you in, but we can make it so everyone thinks you're Jack. We can make it so no one wants your paper. I know every noosey in town. Me too, Peter said with a quick nod. No one will sell your papers no more. Then they won't get paid. Neither will you, Peter growled. No one will buy your papers. Oh, I'm sure I could come up with something to get around that pesky problem. Street urchins are so easy to misplace. The caracal, Jack, grinned and brought his cane around, grabbing the silver head and pulling so a glinting sharp blade shined out from the shaft. Remarkably, Peter and I didn't back up. We stood our ground and stared intently at the sight in front of us. This man wanted to kill us, really kill us. Sure, I'd had a knife pulled on me before, been threatened a lot, but this is different. This man wasn't mugging me. He was enjoying this. No, you won't, I said with a gulp. You'll kill us and our friends inside will wonder what happened. Ask questions. I could kill them too, Jack countered. spring Jack, and known for killing. Just scaring, Peter said. You start killing now. Things change. His gaze was locked with the man's cold, calculating eyes. You're doing this to drum up sales of your papers, aren't you? The caracal stared at Peter and then laughed. He put the blade back into the scabbard of his cane and clinked the metal end onto the ground. He was still chuckling. Clever boy. Though I am not above killing you or anyone, I am still considering it. So let's make a bargain. I stepped forward again and exhaled a shuddered breath. We will keep your secret as long as we don't find out you murdered anyone, and you. you pay us the $50 reward money for finding Springheel Jack. Are you. Blackmailing me, boy. Jackson did none too happy. He clinked his cane with the metal tip hard on the ground. Impudent? No. Smart. You keep your tricks and your secret, and we get the money we want. And what's to stop you from turning me in? If you're as deadly as they say, Peter began, you think you'll just let us go while they hunt you down? No, you'll kill us before they capture you or drive you out of the city. Jack looked at us, contemplating. At least you aren't so dimwitted as to expect no revenge should you be so devious as to turn me in against our bargain. The man's hand tapped the silver feline head on his cane as he thought about what to do. Finally, he tucked it under his arm and reached into his suit pocket. He came out with a wad of money, more money than I had ever seen. He pulled out a crisp hundred-dollar bill. He held it out for Peter to take. Peter tried, but the cat didn't let go. At least, not right away. Remember, boys, your word is binding in this situation, Do not force my hand that I have to make two clever street urchins vanish because they could not be trusted. As a reporter, I often leaned on your ilk to get information one would not always come across in usual means. So the extra money is to show how serious I am about this matter, and how angry I will be should either of you break our bargain. Peter yanked the money away and shoved it into his vest before the caracal could do anything. I was standing there, glaring, and trying to look bigger than I was. I must have looked ridiculous, because Jack just smiled and tipped his hat toward us. It was a pleasure doing business with you, gentlemen. Remember our agreement and remember my anger, should you break it. Jack then did something I know sounds insane, but it's true. He crouched low and jumped, and jumped so high that he was able to land on the roof of the two-story building with ease. He then walked off out of sight. I I would learn later that caracals are incredible jumpers, and that going that high wasn't a struggle for him, but it explained a lot about the nickname. Boys? A voice from behind us sounded. The door opened to the patent office and the twins came out. What was that all about? Oh, I grinned and put my hands behind my back. Mr. Crossbell lost a ring. We returned it to him and he gave us a righteous reward. Yep, yep, Peter added after a moment of silence. He was still thinking about the amount of money, no doubt. So was I, but I didn't want to have to explain too much about it to the two in front of us. He's not a nice man, Rut added and hoisted his messenger bag over his shoulder. He is all smiles and kind, but... He is all smiles and kind, but he is as deadly as a razor and twice as sharp. I advise you don't talk to him. Ever. We We won't. won't, my friend and I both said in unison and started to walk after the white-furred fox. His black-furred twin brother was lingering back with us, and peered down, speaking quietly under his breath. Deal with the devil, he whispered, scarier than any ghost or goblin. Mr. Crossbell? Fizz shook his head slowly. Spring-heeled Jack. Whatever promised, never betray. Ever. This was the second and final part of Ghost Unlaid for Thee" by Tiberius Rings and Fruits. Read for you by Rob McWolf, Werewolf Hitchhiker. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Ghost of Dog.